Good morning. Oh, God is good, isn't He? Even when things seem a little foreboding. Um, you know, this week our pregnant daughter was exposed to COVID. The family that she nannies for, they all came down with COVID. So, you know, it's kind of different when, when you're a pregnant gal and you get COVID. And uh, God was good. We got the test results back this morning. She does not have COVID. Yet at the same time, Daisy has been diagnosed with COVID, so she's hunkered down in her dorm room, I guess, and so we can remember her in prayer. And my friend Eugene is still uh, battling. He's just battling. If you found a watch in the desert, by reason and logic, you would conclude that there's a watchmaker, that it just didn't happen. Am I right? Amen. So you're walking through the desert, you find a watch, you go, huh. I wonder whose this is, or you might ask the deeper question, I wonder who made it. But that's all you know about the owner of the watch, right? You don't know his manners, you don't know his morals, you don't know his disposition, you don't know his character, you don't know his personality. He could be a serial killer for all you know, right? He was out in the desert burying a body and he lost his watch. All you know is that there's a watch. Are you with me? Let me, let me read out of Psalms. We've read this before, but it's good to repeat. Psalms 19 says this, The heavens are declaring the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. You look around creation, and it says there's a Creator. You look and you find a watch and you say there must be a watchmaker. You look at creation and David testifies in the Psalms that that is true. It goes on, there's no speech nor are there words, but your voice is still heard. That There cannot be any denial that there's a God. But creation doesn't tell us what kind of God that is. Is he a good God? Is he a holy God? Is he a righteous God? Is he a mean God? Is he a capricious God? Is he a serial killer God? What kind of God is it that created this creation? Well, the psalmist goes on and he talks about how God has revealed who he is through his law, through his word, through his testimony, through his precepts, through his commandments, through the fear of the Lord, through his rules. We get to know the manners, the characteristic, the disposition, the, the quality of character of God. And His Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, first of all, God revealed Himself to man through His Word. We know what kind of God He is because He has told us what kind of God He is through His Word. But better yet, He sent Himself. He sent His Son and it says, we beheld His glory. Glory of the only Son, of the only God. And we got to, for three and a half years, the, the apostles, the disciples, Mary, Martha, all those guys got to walk with Jesus. They recorded it for us so that we could understand that if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the invisible Creator God. Are you with me on that? If we've seen Jesus, we've seen God. Second, of, uh, that's really the second thing. The third thing is, is that God destroyed that barrier of sin. So not only can we intellectually know about God, just like we can intellectually know about a watchmaker, 
We can read about it. We can read about George Washington, but you don't know George Washington, do you, in that sense? You know about him, but because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, we get to now know God. Hallelujah. It's not, we just don't get to read about him. It's not like he left this on the mantle and walked away from the universe and we're on our own. No, because of what Jesus did, we get to know him, intimately know him. And then the fourth thing that just kind of blows your mind. So not only did he reveal himself through his word, not only did he become flesh so that we could see him, not only did he, he uh, break the barrier so that we could have a relationship with him, it says his spirit now dwells in you. The Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, the spirit dwells in you. Those are pretty, pretty powerful things. Now, can you show the very first slide? Because I, I want to just do a little disqual uh, or not a qualifier. We're gonna go, if you've looked on your outline, you're, we're gonna we're gonna race through. Now, this is not the end all be all list of God, who He is, because you could mine the depths of Scripture forever, and never come close to knowing the incomprehensible God. But all of these attributes of God make him worthy of our worship, our love, and devotion. That goes without saying. So all the next 14 slides you're going to say, you're going to say, wow, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Now, this may be more teaching than preaching because we're going over our We Believe series. So we're going to go kind of fast, but I don't want to go too fast that you just kind of disconnect. And uh, I don't want to go so slow that you disconnect. So I'm going to try to just meter it. If we get through it, great. If not, we'll pick up the rest next week. Here's the very first one about God. Okay? Catch this. God is spirit. That's the very first fill in the blank. So you must be born again to know him. Intellectually, you can know him, right? But in order to be in a relationship with God, it's spirit to spirit, right? John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, therefore he can only be known spiritually. Intellectually, you can know about him. But if you're going to know him, you must be born again. To know God, one must be, sometimes as older people might say, be quickened. Be born again. Be born from above. Your, your, your spirit has to be born again. Because God is not matter. I'm getting my hands dirty, but the, God is not matter. He is spirit. So the only way to actually know him is then spiritually. Are, are you with me on that? So he's, he's infinite. Because he's spirit, he's not limited by space, time, or matter. He's infinite, which, which means no limits, no boundaries. He's not bound by the physical. His love, His mercy, His holiness, every one of His characteristics is boundless. Isn't that interesting to think that God's love is boundless? His mercy is boundless. His grace is boundless. Why? He's infinite. If He had boundaries, then He'd be finite, right? He is also self-existent. He is the one outside of creation, has existed before creation. We were talking about this yesterday in the Hebrew Bible. It doesn't say in the beginning God created. It starts out with God. 
God. He is first. He is above everything. He is outside of his creation, although he's involved in his creation. Are you with me on that? So he is self-existent. And God is eternal. Time is a context for us. When we get to heaven, I don't think being in the presence of God that we're even going to know what time is. Because it's always now. That's kind of, you know, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it that God is eternal. And that His context is just for creation. And for God is self-sufficient. God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need any of our help, does He? <laughs> no, He does not need our help. So, God is spirit. So, Scripture, Paul says even in Corinthians, the natural man, the cardinal man, he, he doesn't even know the things that are spiritual. He, doesn't, he can't even comprehend them. But when we have Christ and we have been born again, we can know him. So, God is spirit. Second thing is this. This is one of my favorite ones. God is relational, isn't he? So you can have intimate fellowship with him. Even in the Trinity, we see that God is all about relationships. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit living in perfect unity before creation existed, before the universe existed, before time, before matter, before space. He was already in relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And through the cross, as I said already, we can have this intimate fellowship with Him because He has taken down the barrier that 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 blocked us you know you ask a little kid when 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 they do something wrong you know their heart is yucky inside that's probably the phrase i would use to a child and until that yuckiness gets cleansed out they're not going to really want to hang out with you and crawl into your lap until their heart is cleansed that's when they go oh now i want to be with my daddy now i want to be with my father i want to be with my mommy and Jesus came and he took care of that so that we could be not separated anymore, but brought into fellowship. And it's personal. It's intimate. It is the most intimate relationship that you can have because you know that you stand before God naked, spiritually. And he sees and knows everything. But we can have this intimate fellowship with him the world doesn't quite understand that they think god's a policeman nothing against police okay i'm looking at chris but they view him as an authority figure to be feared and and and, and shunned to be defunded let's get rid of him let's get rid of him let's get rid of him and that's the last thing that we really need or or really want or desire and that is to be in a, a relationship with god the father so here's number three. Not only is God his spirit, God is relational, but God is all-powerful. Woohoo! He can help you with anything. Amen. Say amen. To, yeah, amen to that. He can help you with anything. God can do anything except, yes, there's an except. He cannot go against his nature. You ever think of that? God cannot do certain things? Really? I thought God, you just said that God is all powerful. God can do anything. He can do anything that doesn't violate his will, that doesn't violate his character, that doesn't violate who he is. So there are some things that God cannot do. Do you know God cannot lie? God cannot lie. 
He cannot deny himself. God uh, cannot tempt. And so there, even though we think that when, when everything is, he is all powerful, he can do anything he pleases, he's always going to be confined, if you want to use that word, by his very nature. He's not going to murder. He's not going to lie. He's not going to cheat. He's not going to steal. He can't do any of that because it would violate. So God is all powerful, but he's powerful within his own character. Does that make sense? I I know this is like a nitpicky little point, but there are some people that come up with this argument. Hey, can God create a rock so big that he can't lift it? It's like, well, that's a, kind of a silly argument, but many non-Christians use that argument to disprove that God is not powerful because if he can't make a rock so big and he can't lift it up, then he's not all powerful because the rock's bigger than his lifting ability. And see, that's it. You, cannot, you can't ask God to say one plus one is three because it violates logic. It violates... So you can't ask, can God make a round square? No. Because that violates values that he's established. Are you with me on that? Okay, I, I beat that horse. So let's go on to the next one. For God is present everywhere. Omniscient. He is always with you. Let, let me read. I, I think David wrote uh, Psalm 139. I'd have to look a little deeper, but I think that's, I'm saying that off the top of my head. 139. Yes, he did. He says this, beginning at verse 7, it says, oh no, let's begin at verse 1 about being present everywhere. No, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I go down to Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand shall hold me. God is present everywhere. And that's ethereal. You know, that's... But what does that mean to, to you? What does that mean to you? It means you're never alone. You're never alone. Sometimes... The world can overwhelm you, right? COVID, finances, politics, loss of job, what's going on. All those things can overwhelm us. And then we remember that God is with us. And that foreboding spirit that is trying to take over, that's trying to move you in this direction of almost denying His power, denying his presence suddenly comes and you're like well you know what God's with me and the darkest cell he is with those when you walk into the oncology unit to get your treatment for cancer he is there when you have to go every other day to hook up to a machine for dialysis because your kidneys have failed guess what where is God in this he's with you so many people out in the world today, they're like, where's God? Where's God? You know what? He's here. But he has to be seen spiritually. Spiritually he is there. Even inside of us, he is there. Paul says that we're his temple that he dwells in. 
He's there. The fifth thing I want you to know about God, God knows everything. He's omniscient. So go to Him with all your questions and concerns. God is the source of all wisdom and understanding. Do you know if you read the Word, it says it makes the simple wise. Those that don't have a clue suddenly become super smart. Because God's wisdom, He wants to give you. You ask, James says, and He'll give it to you. He knows everything. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows the day in which you will take your last breath. He knows what it was like in the delivery room when you came into the world. He knows everything. He knows your purpose. Back in Psalm 139, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. And when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path. And when I lay down and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. God knows everything everything so go to him with all your questions and your concerns and he'll direct your path isn't that what the word says thy word is alive unto my feet he will direct your path number six is this God is sovereign I want to say woohoo the battle's been won even though it feels like I'm losing the battle sometimes. Can you say amen to that? Sometimes you feel like you're losing the battle, but you know what? The battle's already been won. Why? Because he is sovereign. His purposes are going to go forward. His will is going to be accomplished. I love what uh, Daniel says. Daniel says this. Let me just read it. He's responding to Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And uh, he has gone and the and, uh, Lord has shared with him what's going to happen. And Daniel answers Nebuchadnezzar and says this, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. God establishes the order. Now, sometimes He allows stuff to happen because of free will. You choose to go down that path, He's going to say, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, and then we go ahead and do it, and then we're like, oh, God, why did you do this? And God says, I didn't do that. But I will cause all things to work together for good for those that love me and are called according to my purpose. So even though evil is still in this world and there is evil in this world and it runs rapid at times, God is so big, He is sovereign, and He can cause the worst situation that you have in your life that you thought was the end-all, be-all of the worst and turn it for good. And then you just go, how do you do that, God? Because He knows. He's sovereign. 
God's sovereignty directs people and circumstances to achieve his will. All the while that he gives us free will, that's a more powerful God that he allows us to be uh, this, this incredible free-willed people and yet he still accomplishes his purpose. And so guess what? We joyfully submit to his will. We joyfully submit to his will. Now this is where we struggle, don't we? Most of us, if truth be known, we're secret complainers, aren't we? Oh, Tammy just says no, she's just out there. <laughs> she just, we're secret complainers. Oh, we don't say it in public, maybe amongst our, our groups or our friends, but sometimes we have this attitude of complaining. You know, that's sinful. What you're saying is that, God, your sovereignty isn't right, and you need to fix it. I'm complaining. The, the clay is telling the potter. Instead of just saying, you know what? I don't know why I lost my job. I don't know why this is happening. I don't, but I'm not going to question your character. Are you with me on that? I may question why I lost my job. I may question why my finances are in a, in a mess. I may ask lots of questions, but I never question his character. Because God is sovereign. Amen? And that actually brings you a great peace. You know, our world is heading towards a conclusion. Hallelujah. And guess what? He's our Father. And only good things are going to be in store for us. And so even though we walk in a fallen world, He is still sovereign. And that brings us to that point of making a decision. Do I follow His will? Do I follow His will? Do I, do, do, do I try to even find out His will? And then just joyfully go. Number seven is this. God is perfect. So trust yourself to Him in purity and worship and service. He's perfect. And God's perfect in every way. You know, Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. He's not Mary Poppins. Because He's perfect in love. Think about that. Perfect in love. He's perfect in joy. He's perfect in peace. He's, he's perfect in patience. He's perfect in gentleness, perfect in faithfulness, perfect in self-control. You look at the fruit of the Spirit, in every one of those traits, He is perfect in. If He was to change, He would become less perfect because He's already perfect. And you just go, hey, that's my Father, man. Put a smile on your face. That's my God. He's perfect. He is perfect. His character is perfect in every way. Number eight is this. God is absolute truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. But he, when he said that, he threw it all together so fast, so quick. But when we understand what truth means, we're just like, again, boom. He is absolute truth. So believe what he says. Only God has a total understanding what is real and right and true. True being, you know, a, a wall that's crooked, that's not true, is it? car that's been in an accident and the frame has been it's not true anymore true
True meaning straight, meaning perfect, meaning righteous. It has these moral character traits or qualities that God is perfect. So we can trust Him in not only our purity and worship, but our service. We just trust Him because He's perfect. Number, uh, I'm sorry, number uh, eight, the absolute truth. So believe what he says because it's completely true. Even regardless of what your culture says. Let me say that again. Regardless of what your culture says. God knows how to raise children. So do you raise it according to his word or do you do it according to what's on the internet? How do you run your finances? By, by somebody on Wall Street or by what the Word says about finances and debt and all that other good stuff about finances? What, what does He say? So we can trust Him. We can trust. Number nine is this. God is righteous. So we live by His standards. Psalm 71. Your righteousness, O Lord, reaches to the what? to the heavens, to the highest heaven. His righteousness can't, can't even be measured. Only God can do right. Do you know, he can't even do wrong. There's no moral relativism with Him. There's no situational ethics with Him. There's no, oh, let's see how it's going to benefit me the most. God is righteous. He is just righteous. And so we are to live by His standards. And do you know what happens when you live by His standards? You get blessed. Now that's not why. Our motivation isn't going to be, I want to be close to God because then I'm going to get blessed. That's the wrong motivation. The motivation is that He is righteous. And I want to be... And do you know righteous is beautiful? Righteousness is beautiful. Wickedness is ugly. Can you say amen to that? Maybe you see that more easily. That wickedness, evil, is, is just ugly. It's defiling. But righteousness is on the other side of the spectrum. Righteousness is beautiful. When you see a, a child that normally rolls their eyes at their parents, instead says, thank you, mommy. What do you do as a parent? Tell me. Your eyes you, you, you rejoice, right? Why? Because you're seeing righteousness. What happens when you return the shopping cart from the middle of the parking lot that 14 people left and you bring it to the corral? You know what God is doing? Oh, He's smiling. Why? Because that's right. That's righteous. Well, I didn't leave the shopping cart there. It doesn't matter. Do you pick up somebody else's gum if you see it? Well, no, that's too much, Rob. I'm not going to pick up... Wait. Do you see that when you act righteously, you are acting like your father, and it's a beautiful thing? When a man stays faithful to his wife for, I don't know how many years, Charles, but when you stay... You know what? That is beautiful. Why? Because it's righteous. Are you with me on this righteousness stuff? The things that, that are beautiful in this world are because they are rooted in God's good gift and it's usually connected to righteousness. We love it. We applaud when people have been married for 50 years. Why? Because it's righteous. 
We love when somebody says, yes, I did wrong. The child comes in and confesses, I killed the squirrel in the tree. So I could nurse it back and get kudos. Yeah, that is a movie reference. Sorry about that. But it's, it's righteous and it's beautiful. And so I want to add to this thing that God is beautiful. Have you ever seen some of the idols that man has made? Oh, go to India or you go to some of these backwards... I won't say backwards, that sounds offensive. These different cultures that are still worshiping idols and the idols are hideous. They're scary, they're demonic. And they've carved these images and they're bowing down to these images and they're giving the the idols food and money so that they will bless them or not bring them harm. That's ugly. Our God is beautiful beyond description. Why? Because he's righteous. And therefore, we're to be righteous. Number 10 is this. God is just. So he's always going to punish the wicked and reward the righteous. You read that in the Psalms all all day long. David's like, why? Why are the wicked prospering? And God says, don't worry, they're going to get theirs. God is absolutely just in all his judgments. That's why Jesus had to come to save us. God might love you to death, but he, again, cannot violate his character of righteousness and justice and sweep your sin under the rug and then have lumpy rugs all over heaven. He says, we have to deal with this to satisfy my justice my righteousness, therefore I love you so much, I will provide the sacrifice for you. All you have to do is claim Jesus. So God is just, and He always will punish the wicked. Can I just give you a word of warning? Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. There, in this political season, I, I tell you what, if I see one more political ad on TV, my brain's just going to explode. Is, is yours too? Lie after lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. And you just, you get so infuriated that you want to curse. Your mouth isn't to be cursing. Are you with me on that? You are to be using your mouth like your Heavenly Father uses His mouth. God is just... He will take care of the wrongs. Hallelujah. Amen. It's off my shoulders. He will get the wrongdoer. Leave it go and move on. Leave it go and move on because God is just. Julie, I think about how you were robbed and stolen from. And this is a critical time in your life. And you know what? It'd be so easy to hang on to that. And then we don't wait. God is just. God is just. I'm, I'm going to give it over to God because God's going to be fair. God's going to be good. He will see the wrongdoers punished. And then we can release that and walk on. I know some of you have had, besides Julie, you've had things done to you, wrong things, some even sexually abused. And you're like, man, get him, get him, get him. God is going to take care of it. He doesn't want to allow you to stay there. Why? God is just. Those words mean so much when we understand the power behind them. 
God is not some doting fool grandpa that winks at everybody's wrongdoing. He is a mighty warrior and he will right every wrong. And that brings me peace. Does it bring you peace? Nobody gets away. But at the same time, there's Jesus that is offered to, to all. Forgiveness can come to all. And that's why God says so many times, you need to learn to forgive. You got to forgive. You got to forgive. You got to forgive. Number 11 is this. So much like what we've talked about, but again, how can you flesh out the qualities of God? God is love. So He is unconditionally committed to doing what's best for you because it's not a fickle love. It's not a moody love. It is a agape kind of love, a love that does what's in the best interest of the other person regardless of how you've been treated. This is real love, John says, that not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's true love. I think Tammy already quoted it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Or while we were His enemies out of Ephesians, what did God do? He sent His Son. Because God is love. And a love that we can't get our heads wrapped around. We can spend our entire life pursuing love his love, understanding his love, basking in his love, singing about his love, painting about his love, and we still couldn't capture it. Number 12 is this. God is merciful. Amen. So he does not give you what you deserve. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. God's nature of mercy compelled him to break into our world to set us free he is merciful we could go on as god is grace you know because he is he gives us things we don't deserve we don't deserve heaven but god is merciful so he does not give you what you deserve you ever want to get scared ask god to reveal your life to you without christ that's a scary thought where your life would be without Jesus. Number 13 is this. God is faithful. So you can trust Him to always keep His Word, always keep His covenants, always keep His promises, always to be who He says He's going to be in everything. He is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, He is faithful. Uh, So we can trust Him even when we can't see clearly we will trust him where our faith grows number 14 is this god never changes god could change his mind but he can't change his character that may surprise you but that's why we pray god heal this person well look at the uh the king uh who said, Lord, I'm dying, please, I've been so faithful to you. And he says, okay, I'll grant you some more. Oh, what's the sign? Well, the sun's gonna, the shadow's going to go backwards on the stairs, on the steps. God could change his mind, but not his character. But he will never be stronger, and he will never be weaker. He will never be smarter. He will never be less smart. His wisdom and knowledge do not wax and wane like our moon. 
does not grow. He does not compromise. He does not change his values. He does not have mood mood swings. God does not change his purposes, nor does he change his word. God never changes. And so our future is secure. If he's promised it, he's not going to change his mind. If you're in Christ, guess what? Heaven is already yours. Your name is already in the book. It's just a matter of this pilgrimage until he calls you home. We've, we've scratched the surfaces. God is incorruptible. God is our maker. God is our salvation. God is our shield. God is our rock. God is our defense. God is our warrior. God, You know, God is so incredibly unfathomable. But He's there for us. He's there for us. So, let me run through those just what it kind of means to us to understand. Because one of our statements is we believe in one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect and externally existing, and three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so he's relational, so I'm going to run towards him. He's powerful, so he can help me in any problem that you find yourself in or myself in. He is ever-present. He's always with you. You can go to Him and ask Him anything because He's your daddy. He has all wisdom and all knowledge. And because of that, we joyfully submit to His will, His sovereignty. We will not curse. We will not complain. We will not chide. We will accept the things that come in our life and we will still praise Him. That's the mark of maturity. Immature kids, they whine and complain. Mature Christians don't whine and complain. They just say, Father, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. I trust you. I believe what he says. I, I will live by his standards. I know he will punish the wicked. I know what, that he's going to do whatever's right by me and best for me because he loves me. And I know that he doesn't give me what I deserve. What I deserve would be terrible, but what he gives me is gracious. And I will trust Him to keep His promises. This is the kind of God that is in the Bible that has revealed Himself to us. Not the God of your own making, because the one word I didn't use yet, and I'm going to finish it up, it's not on your outline, but God is holy. And He calls us to be holy. Tammy said to me the other day, she said, I've been pleading with God like Abraham over Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh God, don't don't allow don't allow America to be destroyed. Can you find righteous people and stay your hand before we go the the route of the world? Cuz God is holy and he will not put up with unholiness like in the days of Noah. He said in 120 days a flood's coming. Preacher preach. Noah preached, and he preached and preached to a whole culture, and nobody but eight people got onto that ark. God is a holy God, and He calls you to be holy. Let me pray. Father, 
I thank you for your grace. Oh, I thank you for all your attributes. I thank you that you are lovely and beautiful and that we didn't even say how much fun you are. Father, you are fun. You give us the desires of our heart. You bring us joy that's unspeakable. You make every day new and exciting and adventure because with you, all things are possible. All things are possible. We love you. How can we express our love? By imitating you, Lord. This week, let us imitate you more than ever before. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.